You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. She was tantamount on the sixth national tour, which ran before the pandemic in 2020. So welcome, Laura Kaufman, and thank you for joining me. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. I am excited because you are as tantamount one of the twins, which I am now, as I've researched the show and learned more, I think is one of the most fascinating parts of the show. So we will get into the craziness of the twins. But before we do that, I always love hearing like your starting point of cats. When did you first learn about it, see it, know about it? Like, tell me your cat's history before you were cast in the show. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I feel like a lot of people have the story of, oh my gosh, Cats was my first musical or I watched the DVD until it stopped or the VHS at that point until it stopped working or, you know, they from when they were five, they were crawling around like a cat. And I... I was, when I booked it, I was like, mom, why did we never watch that VHS? Like, why didn't we own it? And she didn't really know about it. So I don't know. I didn't grow up um, really having much history. However, I do vividly remember when I was probably in middle school, um, a, a local community theater, I'm from Kansas City, and a community theater did a production of Cats. And at that point, I was super into theater, super into dance. And I remember being mesmerized and knowing that I would love to do the show at some point. So even though I wasn't five watching the VHS, I did see the show and I specifically was mesmerized by the white cat as many, you know, young dancers are. And I just thought I had no idea what was going on, but I loved the beauty of it and the dance, just the dancing, you know, it was amazing. So um, that was kind of my first introduction to it. And then my next big <laughs> introduction to it was when I was performing it. So kind of a crazy jump into it. Yeah. I love that. Cause it is such a common for theater people, not just like people have done cats, but just in general, the theater community, it seems to either loves it or hates it. There's not a lot of middle with the show. And you're right. I have had with totally. all the people I've interviewed, it's like, yes, uh, you wore out the VHS tape or I wore out a cassette tape of the cast recording from wherever I saw it. Um, and then yeah. there's a group that it's like, I didn't, didn't know much about it, but here I am. And so how old were you when you saw the regional totally. production? I think I was probably like 12, 11 or 12. 
So, you know, not super young, but not yet a, an adult by any means. So, yeah, middle school, I think. Okay. So that's interesting because, you know, I've I've argued at length that I don't think children should see the show because of the the uh, underlying tone of some of the stuff that I guess goes over their head. But totally. you probably were in that range of where some of it probably still went right over your head and other parts are probably a little like, oh, I kind of see that now. Yeah, I think I think most of it went over my head because I think I was just seeing the dancing and hearing the music. And, you know, I don't think I was like, I mean, when you're older, it's all pretty blatant, but I don't think I was viewing it from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and I had friends in it, I knew the director, you know, so I was just excited to, you know, and my mom and dad didn't have any, they didn't know that maybe a kid, a younger kid, especially maybe someone in middle school that could pick up on cues, you know, I'm sure they were probably watching it like, Oh gosh, should we, (laughs) should we be here? But, um, yeah, it's fun too, because I saw it in a theater outside called Theater in the Park, which it's really cool to see the show outside. And then we toured to Starlight Theater in Kansas City, where I grew up doing theater, which is also outside. So it's kind of cool because I first saw it outside in Kansas City, and then I got to perform it in an outside venue, um, an open air venue in Kansas City. So that was kind of a cool full circle that's, moment for me. That's amazing. Yeah. And doing it outside, I can only imagine just because it's such a physical and crazy show. Well, yeah. Um, and the moon, I mean, at Starlight Theater, we literally, yeah, it, we were doing it in, sorry, I'm like skipping ahead, but we were doing it in like 90 degree weather in July. I mean, truly, I thought it's a miracle someone didn't pass out. Our makeup was smearing down our faces. It was unlike anything else, but there was literally a moon, you know, by act two, it was dark. And there, I mean, it just made it, it felt like we were actually in the junkyard outside. We could see the moon. It was so magical performing it despite the 90 degree heat. It was really cool. Yeah. That, uh, when I saw it the first time, I've seen it twice live. Okay. I couldn't get over how physical it was because I'd seen other musicals and other shows, but it was just like, mm-hmm. wow, this is nonstop, nonstop. the whole nonstop. time. And then I learned, yeah. I didn't know what a rake was until this podcast. So then I learned you're doing it at an angle and I couldn't even fathom doing yes. some of that. Then you added Luckily, like we, didn't have and- to, we didn't have to do the rake, which I, <laughs> even though I've done the show, I don't know how they, like props to the, everyone that's done it on a rake because... I can't imagine. It's hard enough on a flat, you know, more simple deck. So Amazing. very physical. Yeah. So when you uh, booked it, the show, you booked as a, you came in as a swing. Tell me about that experience of like learning the the cat's Bible. Like what is told to you on that day one? Because, you know, you're going back to it's you were 12 or 13. You were a teenager. The only time you really saw this well, you don't have this like totally. VHS burn through tape of where you kind of know every character. So what was yeah. that experience like of I'm going to learn this whole story and how shocked were you when you learned the whole story? It was definitely <laughs> some big shoes to step in. I mean, I, so when I first found out I booked it, I went to the library here and watched, um, for some reason I couldn't watch the revival production, but I watched like the original Broadway production just to try and kind of like watch my cats and have some knowledge of what I was about to do. And as a swing, you know, a lot of times you actually aren't told firsthand, especially in the way that I learned cats in this setting, because I learned it with our entire cast and what, like 
they'd be teaching three people, three cats, what they were doing at once. And maybe two of those cats, I was supposed to be listening. I was covering both of those. So I'd be like, oh, which one do I go? Do I go listen to Kim Craven, talk to Victoria, or do I listen to Chrissy Cartwright, talk to Syllabub? And I know I'm missing valuable information somewhere. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things I wasn't told firsthand. And it was a lot of just sitting and observing, which it's hard. And I'm kind of a physical learner, like get up and do it and, you know, learn through that. So it was a big challenge to kind of be sitting and not be in the way of the junkyard. And, you know, all the swings were on the side taking notes and, um, here I'd be like, Oh, they said tantamount. Like, what are they saying? You know, kind of just having like supervision and ears and like, whenever someone was referring to your cat, trying to catch what they were saying. And so, yeah, it was, it was crazy and so different than other shows because, you know, you're on stage the entire time. And so if you do a wrong move or besides just, of course, wanting to tell the story well, it's safety. You know, you're climbing mm-hmm. on things, you're jumping, there's like there's cats coming from a million different directions. And if you do something wrong, you can get injured or you can injure someone else. So it's just so important to be taking in as much as you can. And I was, I really was like, I don't know if I can do this, you know? And then it's just crazy. Cause somehow you just, it's like fight, fight or flight. You step up and when it's your turn and you have to save the day, it, somehow it all just kind of like knock on wood so far, it's just kind of come together and you, I don't know, you just put everything you've learned into practice. And I think having the vision of the whole show as a whole and all the different connections swinging is just so special because you know the show in a way that no one else does you know it from the inside out you know all the different connections and um yeah it was hard (laughs) but I wouldn't have traded the experience for the world and getting to play a few different cats was just super cool yeah I have all the the concept of a swing in general has always like amazed me again I knew so little about theater before this the probably podcast network and this podcast and so i can always yeah. knew that there were dancers and stuff going around like on that were part of the show i did not in understudies but i'd never realized that like a job is to understand six to seven parts and just go on and potentially do two in one show and so i know it's yes. obviously topical because of some uh you know when this is being recorded there were some comments recently but like i just have always been amazed right. by the whole concept of swings and so it seems like it's, it just seems like yeah. such an impossible thing to do um and everyone i've talked to who's been a swing is always just like yeah we, we figure it out like we, it's just like so humble yeah. like yeah we, we we did it um and totally. everyone's just like it just shows the talent level it takes to do it and the talent level it takes to reach that level of being able to perform not you know, this show, but at this level, um, yeah. it is such a, you know, to make it to, to perform at this level is, is a talent. It is, it's a skill that most people don't have, um, which is so why it's so fun to watch and cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I feel so lucky to have made it to this point because, yeah. you know, a lot of people work so hard and it's being in the right place at the right time. And, you know, I feel very, very lucky. So when you were a swing, who was mm-hmm. your first performance on as? So my first performance was on as uh, Victoria. And I had not even had a put. A put in is where as a swing, you 
have a basically a full cast rehearsal as that cat or as that track. So I hadn't even had a put in for her. I had never touched any of the guys that I, that were going to be lifting me and throwing me in the air. I had never spaced with everyone. I hadn't like I had not done anything. And I found out probably two hours, maybe an hour and a half before the show that I was on. I remember I was like about to go into a hot yoga class and I got a text and I was like, I just, I mean, I was like, do I know my makeup plot? Do I know, you know, I was just like so nervous. And, you know, we went, we did the lift call. I figured out all the lifts with Play-Doh, the big lift that I had never done. I mean, I really like, I hadn't done the big lift with him. And then we had to make it look like we had been doing it every night of our lives. And um, so it was a really crazy first track to go on for just because she definitely of all my cats was the one that interact like t- was lifted by the most people and mm-hmm. and somehow kind of like you said like somehow it worked and nothing no lifts went wrong and I mean I that's so much props to the onstage people that were looking out for me and you know it's it's amazing it's really cool when a swing is on because I feel like the cast really comes together and everyone is kind of like there to support that one actor and you feel like everyone has your back and everyone you know wants the show to succeed so everyone is there behind you guiding you and um it that track specifically it has been a dream role for my forever and so getting to have that be my debut in the show and like it happened and feeling fairly I mean there's always a million things that we beat ourselves up about that we could do differently but as a whole knowing that I told the story and that no one got hurt and that you know it happened was just a really like I like pinch me experience you know I couldn't believe that that it was happening that I was living that so yeah a dream as a dancer to dance that role yeah do you remember what city you were in we were in Buffalo New York I believe okay yeah so like random buffalo i mean not buffalo's great but yeah just we were in (laughs) buffalo i think it was one of our first like two or three cities i think so okay so it's pretty early on too wow yeah it was with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, it's 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 cool to see and in here, you know, I think I've interviewed a, a, a few from your cast and it's, you know, great, amazing people. So it's not surprising to hear that they embrace you and kind of kind of usher through this um process. Absolutely. And, and it just it feels like it's just a family anyways with with all the cast that have done this because it is such a physical show. It's also a very sexual and sensual show and like you basically from what I've been told, you you start by going through a class where you just kind of roll on top of each other for a while and 
learn yeah, to you get comfortable real quick yeah. with each yeah. other i mean it's yeah for sure you have to you have to just like lose your inhibitions and dive in and doing that as a whole all together and it's weird cuz i think as you're adults you get kind of in a way you get more self-conscious and more self-aware you know if you were kids asked to roll around and be cats you'd be like oh fun but as adults like it feels weird and it's when you don't know each other it's scary and um I think just going through that experience together and then, like you said, doing such a physical show where it's hard and we're having to lift each other up on the daily, it just creates a bond and being on the road together in its own with any show creates a bond. So I think doing this show on the road is kind of, I mean, my friends from that show are still like my best friends who I hold so close. So it's it's really cool. That's amazing. So I would love to now move to your cats because i love to hear what you were told the backstory like what's the persona of the cat so i want to start with tantamile because the twins are i I think a wild part of the story that i wish like i still haven't seen a show where i can go back and be like follow them around yeah i learned more about them after um i saw and the fact that they're telepathic and kind of like are anticipating stuff like i feel like they're such a unique part of the show that um it takes the super fans to probably know more about because i think the average person watching for the first time is probably just watching the front cats kind of come and go so totally tell me about the backstory like what were you told about the twins yeah um uh, first i think you hit the nail on the head if you are just watching the show you probably like wouldn't even notice the twins but if you know to look for them I think that they tell a whole story that is in its own and um so it's kind of cool to have play a character like that where you're like maybe no one's watching me but if someone knows this show well or if someone happens to catch us and then follow us like they're in for a treat um but yeah we were given three words it's for each cat at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. process and I was like frantically scribbling all my words for all my cats. And um, for Tantamile, it was telepathic, suspicious, and tentative. And um, yeah, so we were told that, you know, Corico and Tantamile have this telepathic um, gift with one another, but also with life as a whole and kind of sensing. It's interesting because I think all cats, we kind of feel like they have that sixth sense where they kind of know, you know, they're looking somewhere and you're like, what do you know that I don't know? So I feel like Tantamile and Coracopat embody that like to the utmost degree. Um, And they sense things in the show before anyone else senses them. And Uh, they kind of are the ones that cue the rest of the tribe. So they kind of have the power to tell everyone, whoa, you need to, everyone, you know, it's time to be, to be aware, to be scared. Okay, wait, it's okay. Everything's calm. It's going to be okay. You know, so they have a really interesting part of the story because um, they're kind of guiding the tribe and they're taking cues from Old Deuteronomy um, to to guide what other cats are supposed to think mm-hmm. and feel, which is really cool. Yeah. I, again, I, it, it's such a fascinating part because you, you do cue some things before you are a little, I've always debated whether they're even, um, the twins are even in line or eligible for the gel choice. 
And so I'm curious, curious to hear, do you ever, like, did you think you had a chance to ever be picked? You know, at this place and time during the show, no, I think that we had a very specific um, job and we were almost needed in our tribe. We couldn't be picked because we had to be there to sense and to tell everyone um, what was happening. So no, I don't think I ever was thinking from the standpoint of, oh, I hope Cora Copat and I get picked to go to the heavy side lair. You know, I don't think that that was ever um, in my character's head. It was more helping the other cats who were eligible um, tell their stories. Mm-hmm. What about Victoria? So what was her, like, your first time going on, what did you try to embrace with Victoria's story? Um, Victoria, definitely the innocence, but uh, kind of about to lose the innocence. You know, in her solo, she's just kind of, it's actually pretty sensual. She's just discovering herself. And um, she's at an age where she's a kitten, but she's about to cross over into the teen years. Um, and so to me, Victoria just embodies the wide eyed in a sense of that we all had at one point in our lives. And she's beautiful. She's lithe. She's elegant and she doesn't really know it. I think she doesn't realize her beauty. And, um, I think she also is judgment free, like with, with things with Grizabella and with, you know, she's young. And so she hasn't been, um, had any like impressions put on her yet really other than what she is observing from the older cats and so yeah I just tried to embody uh an innocence but uh innocence that was kind of on its way out I think yeah it's it's interesting because it is one of your dances as Victoria is like legitimately a coming of age um, dance. It's like, it seems yeah. to be interpreted that way yes. pretty consistently. Um, mm-hmm. I, the, uh, the part I'm curious though, is it seems like with her, the cat's family tree is undefined. And so one area with Victoria, I've always been curious and I've heard maybe I'm the only one that thinks this way, but there's a couple of schools of thought of is her relationship with Grizabella. So do you think she knew her before at all? Like one theory is it's, that's her mom. Um, or is it someone that she just met and is afraid, like is trying to be like, Oh, I, I could like, she used to be me basically. I think from my point of view, and I think either answer could be justified and you'd probably get a different answer from everyone. And I'm sure you have gotten a different answer. Um, but I, I don't think that she is related to me. Um, it's kind of like, a wow, you, I, she used to be young and beautiful like me. And wow, what has she gone through to go from that point where I am to this point that's so sad and broken? Um, and, but I think she kind of has some non-judgmental viewpoint um, because of her innocence and because of her beauty and kind of relating to what Grizabella once was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there's so much with all these characters, and that's what I think makes the show so interesting. 
totally. You, know, you, can, you can really interpret it so many different ways. And I, at this point I have, um, with most, most every cat, yeah. um, uh, in detail, but it's what makes it kind of fun. I, I do want to kind of switch gears a little bit and ask about a couple particular performances. So okay. I would love to hear about your time back. You said full circle in Kansas city. What was that first production like there? Was it an, you know, filled with friends and family? Like how did that, how did you handle that first performance? It was pretty crazy. I literally, because it starts broad daylight with the timing of the show, which is weird because usually like the lighting, like we didn't do the green eyes at the beginning because it was broad daylight and we would have been running around with these like green eyes on. So, so it was weird. It was a little different than usual. And I could see truly at least like 30 people I knew in the first section, all my dance teachers, all. And so I really had to, you know, we're professionals, but it's, you know, anyone like that little kid in you kind of comes out and you want to be like, Oh my God, I see you, you know, but of course I couldn't do that. But it, it was hard to, cause it's, it's a show where you are in the audience and where you, especially as you know, I roll out as tantamile and pan the audience. And so I saw everyone right away. And I mean, it was, the thrill was just, it was the biggest full circle moment. And I, as a kid, I don't think I was the first person that someone would have thought would have made it to this point. I, it took me a while to kind of come into my own as a dancer and with my technique and things. And so it just felt so I was, I knew that young me would have been so proud. And, um, yeah. And the other part was I had told everyone because I did theater at Starlight growing up and I didn't remember it being that hot because I think I was a kid and I just wasn't realizing. And I was like, you guys, don't worry. It's it's really not that bad. Like you're going to be fine. There's air conditioning on the stage. And like literally three minutes in, I was like, oh my gosh, someone is going to pass out. They also had, because Starlight is so huge, they had um, these monitors that like did close up videos of us so people in the back could see and so the first night before we knew our makeup was gonna be smearing off there were close-ups of all of us with like half of our faces on and because everyone was just sweating it was it was really crazy but beyond that beyond the heat it was it was so thrilling and I think just a moment that anyone dreams of being able to come back where you began and go back to your roots and have all those people there that supported you and believed in you and um it, I think it was special for all of us because it, it, it sh you know, it makes them proud that what they did guided me to this point in my life. And, um, yeah, my mom was like in the front row, all eight performances in Kansas city. My parents were like, I mean, my friends were like, there she is again. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. It was, it's just something that was really, really special. That's awesome. And you are kind of lucky you didn't have to do green eyes. Cause I've, you know, there's been people who have popped out and like scared their parents and, you know, been able to jump out in front of people they know. And it's, that's gotta be, I can only imagine how hard that is. Totally. Totally. I think I, I got to do that a few other times when, um, in different cities where people were, but I'm kind of glad we didn't have to do it <laughs> yeah. in Kansas city. Cause it would have been a little overwhelming, I think. So I, I'm always curious how I'm sure you had a couple people come to the show in Kansas city that did not know cats. Mm -hmm. How did you prep them for what they were going to go see? You know, I think like at the very, depending on who I was talking to, at the very just basic level, sometimes I would say, don't even try to understand what's going on. Enjoy 
watching all of these amazing dancers dance their booties off. Enjoy the classic music that you I'm sure know to some extent. Enjoy the connection between the cats. And um, so that would kind of be like the basis, basic level of it. But then um, if we were really going more in depth, I would, t- I would talk about how there actually is, I think, a really beautiful um, meaning of the story and a beautiful, a beautiful story of connection and of tribe and of how we all need one another and of not judging a book by its cover. And I think when people kind of are given a tip to look for that, then they do have a little more knowledge of what's actually happening. But on a basic level, I would say just enjoy watching everyone dance for their lives. And, you know, maybe don't try if it's your first time, maybe don't try and like, read past what's actually what you're, you know, the the spectacle that you're seeing. Yeah, I, I needed you before I saw it the first time. Um, <laughs> because I, I went in looking for a neat, tidy story like I do with like, most things. What As happening? someone who watches sitcoms like all day on, on reruns as background noise, like I like yeah. uh, plot A, plot B, time together, totally. put a bow on it. And I did not get that. You did not get that at all. <laughs> in any way. <laughs> um, and so I was, I was more I was slightly confused, a little angry. Um, but to your point, I did as I made my jokes about it and wrote about it and um, put my, you know, my thoughts out into the world. It was a, God, that was amazing to watch because as someone who can't yeah. dance or can't sing, I'm like that, that was spectacular. Um, so I, yeah. I think that's a good way yeah. to prep it. I wish someone told me to drink uh, or do something before, but that might've been tough at 95 that degree too. heat outside. I, probably there, but yeah, I had, I don't know if I should say this, but I had a couple friends that came and they were high and they said they had like the time of their lives after the show. I didn't know that they were high and they were like, that was the best thing. I, like they were just, it, it made me really happy because they were so excited, but they, it, I just had not had a reaction like theirs. I mean, they thought it was like the best thing they had ever, their dancers too. So like, you know, they also just appreciated it, but they like had a little edge. And I think that they, it worked to their advantage because they had the most amazing time. (laughs) Yeah. I I forget where I, I, if I said this or wrote this or put it out there, but it did remind me a little of, I think the movie was, this is 40 where I think Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd go see, they do, they do drugs and go see uh, Cirque du Soleil. Yes, yes, yes. It's like, that's kind of how I feel a little bit about cats. It's like, you know, I'm not encouraging anybody to go do drugs, but that is the, that was kind of like the part of the experience. (laughs) Totally. um, For sure. So changing gears a little bit, um, I want to go into my rapid fire and then get to the million dollar question. Okay. So my first rapid fire question is if you could play any cat, and I know you got to play a couple, but let's say male, female, anything, whether you're physically capable of doing it um, or, you know, that's in your vocal range or whatever, if you could be anybody, who would you want to play for one night? Um, I would love to play Teaser. I think she's such a fun character and our Teaser was just so amazing that she made you want to get to live what she was living. Um, such a fun cat. And it's more of a, that's more of a, okay, that's more of a realistic answer. Like one that I could actually play. Um, but I think it'd be really fun to play like Tugger, like to go out there and just command the stage and everyone loves Tugger and his number is so fun and his relationship with all the cats is so fun. Um, so that's one that I don't think I will ever have the chance to play, but 
I think it'd be really fun. Yeah, I do kind of love just thinking about this question because it's either the which one is just the character you kind of love the personality type or is it a personality type that's just not at all like you? So there's a lot of times yeah. where it's like, that's not it's, me, so it'd be fun to do it once. It's funny because I actually don't really like t- – like Tugger kind of bothers me like as – like the character was kind of annoying to me every night, just his like arrogance and – but. I think it'd be really fun to play if that makes yeah. sense. Like yeah. I, I, as Tantamile, I was like annoyed by him, but I would love to get to do it, you know? For sure. I think it's a good answer because it's, it is such a fun track and you know, you kind of get a lot of freedom to do whatever you want. So much freedom. Of, You're like doing yeah, your own need. thing. So yeah. that leads well into who is your favorite and least favorite character? Um, Well, I'm going to, okay, I'll say the obvious answer, which is Victoria. She's been my favorite since I first saw the show. She's my favorite to perform. Um, She's just a really special cat, I think. But I actually, I could argue for every single cat, but I love Gus. His number just, it would really like make me teary-eyed almost every night. There's just, there was something so tender and so relatable to him telling his story and looking back with such um, fondness on his life. And I just, I really, really love that character. I think it's really sweet. And I think him and Jelly's number is just beautiful. Um, my least favorite, that's really hard. I think every cat same, like I, I, I don't know that that's hard, but I actually weirdly think my least favorite, like as a cat is probably Tugger. Cause I think he's annoying, but again, I would want to play him. So I don't know. His like cockiness kind of bothers me, but um, so I guess Tugger, but I also like love the character, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think I, the way I kind of look at this question is, is which personality wise, like which cat bothers you? Yeah. Not, not yeah. The, like they all have their, they all serve their purpose in the show. Totally. And that, exactly. But his personality like is annoying. Would it be fun to play? Yes. But yeah. he's kind of annoying. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, what about favorite song from the show? Oh, gosh. Um, like with lyrics, because the Jellicle Ball is my favorite number. I mean, the chills I got. Lit- I mean, every night, no matter how exhausted I was, no matter how hard the day was, no matter if we had flown and had five layover, whatever, like every time we would get to the ball and the lights would come and you could just feel the energy from the audience. I, there's just nothing like that. So I will say the ball, um, as my fair. like it first. It doesn't have to be an, uh, okay. a musical number. I think that's, and that's my answer. The ball. I love it. The ball, <laughs> the ball is great. It is, 
it, it's it's interesting looking back now at it of like the favorite part it, it's an orgy oh like completely that's what it is. which i didn't really know until i was a part of the show honestly because i hadn't seen it since i saw it as a kid i did i missed seeing the revival on broadway because i was out on the road with another show so i didn't really know until we were learning the show that that's what it was so that was a fun surprise as an yeah. adult to be like oh how did i miss that <laughs> well there's a couple other in the show that i'm like I didn't pick that up, but now that you're telling me this, wow, what a this is definitely a different story than what I was pitched totally. as to go see. It was the longest running show, but um, totally okay. So, <clears throat> have to cut that out. So, I, I like asking this because you were on pre-pandemic, but you kind of were on um, right around the time the pandemic started. So, which cat mm-hmm. do you think at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 was probably doing all right which one is probably was thriving a little bit in the pandemic like it was still okay because it was a hard time for everybody but which cat do you think personality wise was like all right march 2020 i'm still doing okay oh gosh hmm that's a very interesting question um okay i kind of have two answers one is the gumby cat jenny any dots because she i i don't know i'm picturing her just like lazily sitting on the car boot which I think she would have ha- she would have enjoyed the part of the pandemic where she just got to like laze around and chill. And then I feel like she still would have like gotten up and done her little house chores. And so she probably would have been fulfilled by that. Um, but I also think he's becoming my answer to a lot of questions weirdly, but I kind of think Tugger would have been thriving because I just think he doesn't really give a crap about anything. And he'd be like, whatever, like this is life now. And I'm just going to still be cool. And, you know, I feel like he just kind of would have like sloughed it off and still been able to just be his cocky self and not really cared. Um, so I think they both would have thrived. I love it. I this I've asked this to a few people now, and there's been a couple answers. So, so now I don't know who to credit, which are the ones I said, which are the ones other people said. But <laughs> my favorite answers from this have been: I do think Tugger would do well. Yeah, I do think um, Jenny would do well. Um, I love Victoria becoming a TikTok influencer was, a, I think, a very possible. Um, I do Absolutely. think the twins probably were well were well stocked. You know, like when you couldn't get any any anything they were ready they They had all their toilet paper they were already bunkered (laughs) down and i just totally i just think um buster for jones probably lives in a big mansion and was already eating his way through life and didn't really change you are so right i didn't he didn't even cross my mind but i think he would be thriving still to this day in this world (laughs) so okay now the million dollar question uh, I have argued at length with everybody uh, who will argue with me about this topic that I don't <laughs> think Grizabella was the right choice. Um, I can give the argument for Grizabella now, and I understand it. But what I want to hear is, is that if you are Old Deuteronomy and you are picking on the night of the ball, are you choosing Grizabella or are you picking somebody else and why? So my initial reaction was like, no, it's supposed to be Grizabella. Like, that's the whole story. And that's like the point. Um, and I don't know if my answer is going to completely make sense, but as I was kind of thinking about it, so I feel like I don't want it to be Grizabella because I feel like she was finally just accepted and now she's being sent off and she didn't really have a chance to like, actually like enjoy getting to know all these cats who have now accepted her, which is kind of sad. So I feel like I would love for her to get a little more time with the tribe. It's like, 
oh, we love you and we choose you and now bye, you know? So I kind of wish that they got more time with her. And as a result, I don't even know if he's a choice, but I kind of think everything should flip. And because Deuteronomy helped make this happen where Grizabella was accepted and he kind of did what he set out to do in making the cats um, em- embrace her, that he should now get to go after after kind of that journey, that it should be his turn to go to the heavyside lair, which I don't really know what that would look like. He's not going to be like, I choose me, <laughs> like plot twist. But I feel like in a way, somehow as a almost a thanks for what he did for Grizabella and what he's done for years for the tribe, um, that maybe it's his turn. I don't know. I love it. I think so. so I think it makes a lot of sense. I, first of all, I totally agree with you on Grizabella. I have said that many times yeah. on this podcast that like, it's if, sad. if you're bringing her back in, why murder her right away? Like let, let her have, exactly. she can be next year's choice. Um, to- that's, I think she should be next year's choice. Live with her for a year, let her have a fun life with the tribe, you know, and then send her off. Yeah. So that is the redemption story, but it is a quick redemption. So I, I'm very much with you on that point. The old Deuteronomy one is really interesting because I have not, I don't know if he is an option or not. And it gets really weird to think about because a lot of the old Deuteronomies don't think they are an option. Right. But a lot of the monkish traps think, I'm next in line. And right. So if he's next in line, at some point he it has to be an option. Totally. Totally. So how does that play? Is there a time? Is there a eventual point where he does pick himself? Yeah. So I think it's fair that this is the year. Like he's when it feels like he else. accomplished this, like he just did this amazing feat of through channeling different through syllabub, through the twins, through Victoria accepting Grizabella, you know, he just made this happen. And so to me it's like now it's his turn, you know, um, whether he's eligible or not. But I guess at the end of the day, everyone is kind of should be eligible, you know, I mean, in some way. So, so it depends on how this is where it can get a little more philosophical is who's right? actually making the decision. Right. And what is the criteria? And is that change year for year? And right. you only get one example. Totally. One show that's been totally. written about this. Cats Part you, 2. You need to write I, Cats Part 2, I think. I have, <laughs> I have offered, but I'm not qualified to, to do that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you. I think you are more qualified I, than most of us. I am more qualified in the background, but in terms of writing a musical, I am not qualified. You just need to bring um, a couple more team members on. And yeah, I'm, I'll be a consultant, creative consultant. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, but it, it does boil down to those factors. And that's kind of how I argue each time of why I don't think it's her. Uh, not not how yeah. I originally made the argument for a very different reason. But, right. um, but I do think that you, if you are claiming redemption, it feels like a really rough redemption story. Totally. And that's totally. the most common Grizabella uh, defense. So I love that you, you know, put some, everyone that, you know, you start to think about it. It's yeah. slowly getting more people on the anti-Grizabella train. Yeah. Because um, initially but, I was like, no, of course, like it's Grizabella. And that's the point of the story is that it's Grizabella. But when you really sit and think about it, you know, it's an interesting journey for her. Yeah. It's rough. It's really it rough. rough. <laughs> but I do like Old Deuteronomy. I think it's an interesting pick. And it's very much unknown if that's even an option. So I'm all for 
us totally. choosing a different If route. it's an option, I think it should be him. I still think what I want the tour to do, and I've I've proposed this, it's clearly been shot down, is I think that if you're in a place for like eight days, you should let somebody different get picked every night and <laughs> take them either out of the show or like bring back a younger version of them. I love that. Like an alternative ending every yeah. night. So it's like, hey, if you come on Monday, the first day we're here, you're going to get Grizabella because that's still I traditional. I love that. But that's Grizabella's so now gone. So now who are we picking next? And work your way through <laughs> the eight nights. That is, I mean, there. there could definitely be a pretty cool parody like that. I really like that idea. Yeah. I, there's that's a lot really There's fun. a lot of options there. There are endless, and really endless options when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, every time I bring any different one up, though, it's like, eh, the show's also been around for 40 years and it's doing fairly well without any changes. So, this is true. Maybe this is true. they don't need to listen <laughs> to me and they should just keep doing what they're doing, which is printing money. I'm guessing they're going to keep doing what they're doing, but yeah. it doesn't hurt to try. <laughs> one day, one day I'm going to get a sit down with Andrew Lloyd Webber and get absolutely, all my, get all my I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask what are you currently working on and how can we stay in touch on social media thank you for asking um, as you know it's kind of a rough time in our community right now not a lot of auditions not a lot happening um, so I'm auditioning I'm figuring out what's next um, but I actually I've been teaching ballet classes it's almost like Broadway ballet because it's all of my musical theater friends that come to my classes it's so cool it's this class full of professionals and um, a lot of my cats friends actually are in class every week and it's been a really fun way to keep dancing together and connect so anyone is always welcome um, I post my schedule on my Instagram, which is bizarre. It's at Y-U-Z-Z-Z-12. So at Yuz12. Um, and I always, you know, kind of post what I'm doing on there. And hopefully something, you know, the next thing will come sooner than later and our business can keep thriving. And, you know, that's what I really hope for for all of us. But um, for now, just trying to stay busy and stay dancing in any way that I can. And non-professionals can come, right? So if you're listening Absolutely. In, in New York, you can come. Anyone is welcome. It's a it's an open door. I love it. Well, thank you so much for humoring me, answering all these bizarre questions, making a non-Grizabella argument. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat's catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 
Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.